Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to No Pressure, a podcast for creatives, theatre makers, artists and ambitious souls. I'm Matt Humphrey, photographer and founder of Curtain Call, and for this, the very first episode, I'm so happy to be sharing with you a wonderful, insightful chat I had with the two founders of Platform Presents, Isabella McPherson and Gala Gordon. They were quite literally the first people that I reached out to about this when it was just an idea, had no name, and I wasn't really sure where it was going. In fact, it's thanks to Gala that it now does have a name. Um, this literally is my first podcast. This podcast is all about the creators, the people that make things happen, who are up against it every day and yet you'd never know it. We're kicking off the series with a duo whose work, ideas and initiative I've much admired since they made a splash on the scene a couple of years ago. The first Platform Presents Gala, organised by actress Gala Gordon, featured a star-studded lineup of actors that any red carpet or awards ceremony would have been proud to host. Bella and Gala are driven, optimistic, passionate and selfless creators. Just the type of creators I love to talk to. They don't like to restrict themselves to one media. If the project fits, they have the ambition to make it happen. They're kicking off 2020 with the third poetry gala at the Savoy Theatre, directed by Gemma Arterton, featuring an A-list lineup and raising funds for their Playwright Prize, which will support the work of an emerging writer. My name is Isabella McPherson and I'm a co-founder and producer at Platform Presents. And I am Carla Gordon, I'm an actress and co-founder of Platform Presents. So thank you both so much for joining me on this um, inaugural podcast that doesn't even have a name yet, but hopefully it will do by the end of it. We'll come up with something. Maybe you guys can help me out. But yeah, thank you. I've long been an admirer of what you guys are doing with Platform Presents, um, but for those people that kind of don't know, would you be able to kind of let us know what it is and what your kind of mission is and what you're trying to do? So, Sure, and, and how we came together, how it started, which is quite yeah. interesting. Um the genesis of Platform Presents was actually Gala, um, and I'm talking for her for some reason, um, organising a poetry gala in 2016, which was basically um, getting people together in a kind of uh, rough and ready environment, actors and actresses, to read poems. Um, and she got such an amazing response to it that uh, she decided that this was a good environment to develop in the same way as in New York you were talking about. They do these much more um, kind of 
uh, rough um, play readings and in warehouses and in basements where people can come along and experience theatre and it doesn't have to be quite so finished and polished. Yeah, I think um, from my experience of training at drama school, I went to Guildhall and um, you were often celebrated for producing um, a piece of work that was just a, a, in, in form, the rehearsal. And I felt like there was a huge gap in the market to be showing that almost spontaneous work that you can create in a room together. And the raw talent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so cut to this dinner during the London Film Festival for Oliver Stone and Gala ended up being um, put next door to me. And we had this one really great chat and it was wonderful and I didn't think anything more of it. But then... Then I... So I had had the idea to start a company that celebrated rising star talent for a while, but I knew that I wanted to set it up with a woman and I wasn't quite sure who yet. And it all... I guess the idea of the company stemmed from my experience of when I was in um, Three Sisters at the Young Vic. I landed the job of the role of Arena when I was at Guildhall. And I was so fortunate to be part of a company of 13 actors um, in a show that ended up running for about four months. And I just felt so supported and I'd made such special friends that I wanted to be able to set up a community that could do that for other people. Having met Bella at the dinner, I one day was walking down the street and I'd asked for her number and I thought, God. Like Bicky. Bicky. Yeah. And I thought, God, I... Yeah, I'm going to go for it. So I called her and I said, hi, I don't know if you remember me, but my name's Gala and I was wondering if we could meet for coffee. And she said, yeah, sure. And we then met. And I thought, the only way I'm going to get the idea across really well is by showing her that the, showing her the writing that I'm really interested in. So I arrived with seven of my favourite plays. Oh, wow. Which was great, which is really great. I like a loser. <laughs> all, all of which I read and hadn't read before, but all of which I read, they were brilliant. And it, that, that was almost like my way of saying this is the kind of writing that I'm really interested in. Sure. And, and we how did you come to find those plays in the first place? Was that? Um, I've always been a huge lover of reading plays. I think they're, and, and with that poetry, I think it's a brilliant short form of storytelling. As a young child, I used to feel quite overwhelmed by massive novels like Shantaram and other things, whereas a play I could find manageable to sort of achieve. Um, so I've slowly been building my play library ever yeah. since I was quite young. Um, and have always loved delving into the worlds of Martin Crimp and Martin McDonough and lots of other writers. Yeah, the, the dark comedy is where we kind of align with a serious yeah. message. Um, so, she, so I said to her at the end of this meeting, I said this sounds amazing, do you want any help with it? And Gala was like, yes, please. And that's how the company started, basically. We literally went from one coffee meeting to deciding to start this company, which platform rising star talent, but with a particular interest in female voices. Yeah. So that's not to say we don't work with brilliant and wonderful men every day. It was just really redressing that balance, which yeah. um, certainly in our industry, amongst writers, directors, you know, even backstage, lighting, um, it is still, it's still an imbalanced yeah, situation. Yeah, it's so imbalanced. Um, just thinking about, I mean, this is a uh, you know often quoted fact, but the first play on the main stage at the National Theatre was until two thousand and eight by Rebecca Lankowitz, and it just and I always go, I always do that. Um, when do you think the first play? And, and of course, my brother mm. went twenty nineteen, which was quite annoying. But what the point was yeah. that it's actually there's quite a lot to be done in that field, and 
Um, as a result, we've been getting a lot of um, women across the world who are interested in sending uh, plays, scripts, treatments in, which has been really great. Fantastic. Why do you think that is, that there is such an imbalance? Um, we were we recently made this short film and uh, we were talking to, um, well, we, we had Juliet Stevenson star in it and we were talking to her because Tuppence Middleton, who's a friend of ours, wrote it. And she said, what's so, because I was talking to Tuppence on set one day and we were just discussing how it would develop. She was the writer and she was one of the actors. And Juliet turned to me and said, God, that's so incredible because when I was younger and I was even at the RSC and I was developing as an actress, I also had kids and all the men around me all the actors around me were being asked if they wanted to direct, if they wanted to write, if they wanted to get involved in other parts of the process, and I was never, ever asked that. Um, I feel that's probably not completely true, and maybe she was saying for a fact because she's such an amazing mind, but it just, it just, the opportunities were just not there. Yeah, and the culture was just not set up for it. No. And, I mean, as you say, in the National Theatre, to not have a female playwright until well into this century, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I mean, I think it, it is a culture and I don't think there's any one person to blame. It's just that it just needs to be changed from within and yeah. just make people aware of it. But also give a platform and opportunities to women who can then produce stuff which is actually good enough to see because it's all very well saying, oh, we need to have more women, but there needs to be, you can't produce shit plays. No, of course not. Uh, the writing is really important. I mean, that sounds like uh, an amazing journey for you, Gala, to have gone from first of all from drama school to your first job on stage at the Young Vic to then becoming a producer that's pretty accelerated <laughs> um, but presumably the interest in in acting and, and theatre and theatre making has kind of always been there is that right? Yeah completely um, just I guess you know we all know as actors what, what it's like and you know I used to read interviews all the time and and listen to podcasts about how challenging it had been for other actresses and then you know I, I trained at drama school when I was 18 so I graduated when I was 21 and you're juggling five different jobs trying to pay your rent and mm. you're endlessly waiting for the phone to ring from your agent and then you give you turn up to an audition you meet somebody a director for the first time you give it your all and you leave sometimes never even hearing whether you've landed the part or not. It's the only career I feel that doesn't actually give you a letter of rejection. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like I needed to take things into my own hands and I recognise that there are so many incredibly talented actors, writers and directors all mm. around me that weren't being given a, a space to you know, experiment, fail and meet people and I wanted to create that for them. Yeah, well it's a great initiative. It's extraordinary, um, isn't it? As the main voice in a film or a TV show or a play, you have the least voice. Like as the lead actor, potentially, yeah. if you're not a producer. What's you just... that index? Is that the, I forget the name of it, the Bechler index or oh, something like yeah. that, that calculates the amount of lines by women versus yeah, of men. Yeah, of course, of course. I can't remember the name of it. I, I can't it either, but, yeah. but yeah, it's absolutely right. But I think, yeah, I was just going to say, I think that somebody said to me yesterday, so now Bella and I are working within television and film as well, but yeah. it initially started out in, with us doing play readings and poetry evenings and um, full productions on stage. And somebody said to me the other day, why did you start with theatre? And I said, because 
I am so passionate about theatre and I believe that it's the only art form that requires you to put your phone down. Mm. Yeah. You know, you can fill a space, a black box of a room with 140 people and you can require them to suspend their disbelief. Mm. And that is where the magic is created. You know, we go to art exhibitions now and concerts and everybody is looking through the lens of their iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. And so to have that moment where you can almost stop time and just really capture someone's sort of essence and tap into their That's human really condition. That's a powerful way of explaining it. It's, it's really exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it only comes from a, a collective ensemble. Yeah. It comes from the, you know, everybody. From the stage manager, the lighting designer, the everybody is required to make that happen. Yeah, we've always said yeah. it's like the most collaborative art form there is. It has yeah. to be. Yeah. And it's such a visceral way of communicating a story to an audience and for that audience to be kind of part of that story sometimes yeah, as well. Yeah, they are part of the collaboration. Yeah. Like their response is wholly, you know, in response to the actors and the actors feel it and then give more or less or whatever. That yeah. feedback is completely vital. <laughs> so, I mean, not to spin off on stuff but the night before we it's fine, spin away okay (laughs) so um the night before we went to press for three sisters we had a heckler in the audience uh who's a check off traditionalist and decided to vocalize the whole way through how he felt about our radical interpretation of three sisters and it was my first job so i was in the maria not knowing like sort of how to deal with it and um he he then had this moment and he left and um, we continued on with the play but we all came off stage and thought god maybe this is what we've created in a rehearsal room for a a month and a half is maybe it is awful and we're going to press tomorrow and we have no idea he's super rude in front of the entire audience Um, and stalked out but we just he was walked out or he just he he encouraged the entire audience to leave with him okay um, but we all came off backstage and we thought, oh God, maybe this is rubbish. But it was, there was this wonderful moment where a group of actors came together and thought, you know what? Even if everybody, even if we're slated by the reviewers tomorrow, we believe in this, mm. you know, more than anything else. We believe in the fact that we're singing Nirvana in the middle of the play, that myself, Vanessa Kirby and Minnie Gale don't all look alike. And with Danny Corain playing our brother, you know, and so then to go out on stage the next night and be like, this is who we are, this is what we've made, you can take it or leave it, was was an incredible experience. Yeah. And I feel like Bella and I are very drawn to producing work that is thought-provoking. I call I call them Marmite plays. <clears throat> I feel like we, as an audience member, want to leave a theatre with a strong opinion. I'm mm. not interested in producing work that's like, mm, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, I love it if people come up to me afterwards and say, God, I, you know what, I really hated that mm. bit in the third act when you said that, because there we create opinion, and then we create discussion and around a piece. And thought around bigger issues, basically. Exactly. But also, one of the other things we love, um, which we seem to keep going back to, but it doesn't necessarily mean it will do it forever, but um, it's also the humour, so dark comedy. Yeah. Because our belief is very strongly that um, really um, important messages delivered through humour are so, I mean, this is an age old um, thing, but are, are so much um, more digestible to the audience. Mm. So they come out and they think about it and then they think about it a bit more and they find it funny, but they actually understand the seriousness of it. 
um, and it's just much more engaging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Martin McDonough earlier on, big fan of Obsessed. his work, obviously. Yeah. Um, have there been other people that have kind of influenced you along the way in terms of the, the plays that you've chosen to produce and the work that you've chosen to work on? Well, I, I mean, obviously, I love Hal Pinter. I think he's amazing. Um, but, but that's um, but I, we haven't produced his plays, but um, I love him because not only is there that kind of darkness, but also sometimes comedy, but there's also that complete sense of unease where you don't, where you're completely yeah. destabilised, which again goes back to Gala's point about being in a theatre. Whereas in a film, you know, you're destabilised and you like look at your phone and you have some popcorn, but in a theatre, yeah. you don't know where you're going and you're like, what's happening? You can't you're move. Yeah, you can't yeah. move. So, and that kind of play on um, situations and characters and something, this huge sense of foreboding is brilliant. Um, but we were super lucky in the first play that we actually tried to take on, um, which we did take on in the end, was by this um, lady called Mary Laws, who is this brilliant writer. She came out of Yale. Yeah. Blueberry Toast. Blueberry Toast, yeah. yeah. But she, so a lot of writers, the reason that theatre is also so great is because there's so many brilliant writers who start there. Like all the, you know, the, the writers room on Succession, mm. they all started as playwrights. Um, and Mary Laws was at Yale, and we found her play, and Gala flew to New York to get it. Um, to meet her and get it, but what we both read it and we we realised completely by fluke that we have exactly the same um, sensibility in terms of what we like. We both read the play and we literally called each other at the same time because it's really dark, it's really funny, it's really well written, has very serious message about patriarchal environments and mm. cycles of abuse, and it's actually really serious. And I we had to buy 180 liters of blood. For the production well, so you know there's lots of well. <laughs> um negative sort of more macabre sides to it but it was such a brilliantly written play and she's gone on she then went on to write on succession on yeah. the tv show and she's now producing her own tv show for hulu um so when you come up when you come that's what we want to do we always want to produce writers that are fantastic and also another thing about platform presents is we started with theater and we will always do theater but we're also interested in the afterlife yeah. Because these brilliant writers and we produce and we're in the midst of working on lots of projects with women at the moment, particularly, we want them to be seen on a stage, but we want them to be developed into a TV show mm. or into a film, um, and we want to work with um, actresses and actors that also want to try their metal on writing or directing because their understanding and sensibility towards what they're doing is a bit more in get invested than if they just are straight writers sometimes. Sure. So that kind of transgression from theatre to, to screen, is that something that you've particularly felt like you've um, always had a passion for yourself, personally, Bella? Because yeah. I know your background isn't necessarily from a, a kind of theatre... Background, no. I mean, uh, I, I really wouldn't even call so. it transgression, I just call it evolution. Okay. Um, yeah. Because uh, it's they, I think they're part and partner. It's all about wonderful words put together. Um, and I think nowadays you certainly look at television and film and theatre and they're very interlinked in terms of the writers, Absolutely. the actors, the producers. So it feels like a very um, good place to be. Yeah, it's a really interesting time right now, isn't it? Yeah. I, I kind of feel like there's gone are the days when theatre could only be put on in a proscenium arch theatre. Mm -hmm. um, but equally with, with kind of film and TV, like the limit, the, limit, the boundaries are kind of broken down now. So it's constantly being kind of reinvented and 
that's shuffled up and shaken up by the industry, which is wonderful. So you guys are doing a really good job with that, I think, as well. Well, let's see. But um, one of the things we're doing now a lot at the moment is we're talking to um, production companies both here and in the US who are basically just interested in, re- interested in really good writing. Mm. So the basis of our conversation or the foundation is always, we've got a great script. It's a theatre script, but we see it developing this way. And they're not, they, they have the vision of going into a house and seeing how it can be um, you know, reinterpreted or made um, more beautiful. They really understand that actually it's the writing and they are very open to seeing plays that then they can then, we can put a screenwriter to work with a playwright and build something different. So that's probably developed as well and changed a bit. Um, and certainly the I mean it's like anything when you build relationships in an industry you if they're really good you want to keep them going so we have developed great writers which we seem to be doing through our playwrights prize sure which is annual can you tell me a bit about that then sure well when I talked about Gala's um, first poetry gala that was in 2016 and since then we've held it annually Mm. Um, and the idea of that is to bring together stars of the stage and screen and we've had some brilliant actresses and actors involved um, and young poets and young poets beatboxers young poets Amazing. like Ollie Feather James Messiah beatboxers like Grace Savage or actors like Denise Goff Gemma Austin yeah. and, and for Welsh. a great cause as well right and you do it for the help refugees Was we did it for help refugees we did it for help for heroes and then latterly we've done it to raise money for an annual playwrights prize we've now yeah. set up so the money goes towards uh, we give a fund to a writer and then we mentor them for six months Amazing. Uh, well, I mean, actually, it's become like a year, but also that goes back to the, my point about you build a relationship with someone, you find a great writer, you want to work with them on, you know, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And I think that's what we're really trying to do. So, for example, Lea Gasson, who um, was the first winner of our Playwrights Prize, is an extraordinary um, writer, first time play, first time writer, um, based in Devon, sent it in. Um, every, we had a judge, a great Johnny panel, so we always get industry judges involved. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone from Adam Spears from ATG to actors like Nicholas Pinnock to um, Jessica Renane um, to Nancy Durrant, who's commissioning editor of the Times. Um, and we had a panel of about eight people with the idea of finding a great play, so it wasn't biased to what we wanted to do. Sure. But Leia's play was so good that we were able to develop it, and then ATG gave us money to do a play reading with it. Um, which is a great opportunity for Leia to showcase her writing. Yeah. And we invited agents and directors and actors. We cast it with Jessica Renane, yeah. and we had Jesse Buckley, Luke Treadaway, Amy Lou Wood from Sex Education, Erin Doherty, who's the new Princess Anne and the Crown, Hayden Gwynn, Pierce Quigley, trying to remember everyone. And Carl uh, Queensborough. Carl Queensborough. Um, and then we did this play reading on a night, and it was only about 70 people in the room, but the next morning, Six agents approached, uh, approached us to meet with Leia wow. to be her. So and, so and, so, and Leia's background was that she'd written. She did English, um, okay. and then she's recently well, she she worked in London for a while, so she was writing for a gin magazine. Okay. So she's a great writer. Yeah. But she was basically couldn't sustain her living here because she wasn't being paid enough. It's very expensive in London. So she, her father said, "Come back, come and live at home again, and write." you know focus on your writing and so that was what she produced as a result of that what a fantastic opportunity for her well yeah I mean and also incredible great yeah. uh, but we also got plays from Melbourne we're working with an Australian writer LA New York um, all kinds of different um, people applied and actually it was funny because one quite a few men applied 
um, lo- brilliantly and they said can we apply because of men and we were like yes please do we want to read everything yeah and we had um, some and we had some male finalists as well so we're open to you know receiving plays from anywhere from anyone you know I think what's so exciting about when you read these plays is that you don't necessarily know anything about the playwright sure. so you're just really looking at them in their simplest form and you're looking at the arc of the characters the dialogue these um stage directions the way in which they are sort of almost orchestrating you to think about the world in which they've created and how you would stage that yeah and it was really impressive to see how many people submitted but also how many people had taken a risk with them with their material i'm yeah to get it out there for the first time to get it out there for the first time but also in the subject matter yeah and i think we now live in a time where um we can create daring theatre and there are lots of sort of devices that one can use to keep it fresh and original that aren't necessarily like huge mediums that cost a lot you know you look at shows on small stages now that include projection and voiceover and there's tiny things that you can do that immediately allow an audience member to feel very well placed in the world that they presented yeah so it was refreshing to see also blown away exactly but it was really refreshing to see how a lot of people had thought outside the box in in ways in which they would present their writing so as well as encouraging that um those writers to submit their plays and to take part in this competition and and to win this prize will you also be working as a production company to bring those plays to life and, and to get, you know, Ideally, tell me more yeah, about that. Absolutely. So um, there's quite a few plays we have on our slate at the moment that we're, first of, uh, first off, we're trying to, um, we work with different writers to help dramaturg them. So Gala and I do a bit of that, but also, for example, Leia's play, we um, got Morgan Lloyd Malcolm to work on. Um, I've done two plays before with Morgan. Um, I did an immersive play with her about six years ago, uh, which was brilliant. What and was then, that like? It was amazing. We did it, um, basically, uh, we did it at the Corinthia Hotel and we had, um, it ran for five weeks and I produced it, she wrote it. Um, it sold out before we put it on and we used the entire hotel, every nook and cranny in the oh, hotel. Wow. So what was great about w- and working in that environment, which is the same for any immersive theatre like the place they have in Edinburgh, yeah. is that... As a participant, because they were moving along singly rather than as a group, you know, as in Yumi Bum Bum Train, they were moving yeah. along with independent people. You didn't know when you walked in a room who were the hotel guests and who were the actors. So it did it did incredibly well. But so I worked with that um, on Morgan with that, and then on another really small play. Um, and she's such a nurturing person, and she's so smart and intelligent. And she just done uh, Amelia. So we work with, so in terms of developing the playwrights, we get to that level. Yeah. Um, and then now what we're trying to look at is different theatres we could partner with to place the plays. Um, Gosh, that's the, an exciting stage to get to. Yeah, it is. It is really exciting. And it's also, um, you know, you have to be respectful of the artists and what they want to do. But because um, we, we go on the beginning of the journey with them right when we mm. get the initial sometimes not form play it's a kind of partnership from that point so you're everyone's contributing to that conversation but at the same time before we've even thought that we're we're developing and actually we're finding now that the tv and film element of it is potentially quicker to fast track sometimes because they want it now and staging is um 
programmed so far in advance. Yeah, of course. Um, but we're also looking at other places that we can put it on if it's not necessarily a theatre. Um, so, for example, one of um, we've recently um, taken on this project, which is to work with this amazing um, hotel group, where we will be staging things in and around their hotels. This and, is Belmont. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's all about developing talent. Uh, you know, um, cultivating poetry, engaging people with the written word, but using the, their audiences as our, as our environment. Amazing, um, with the hotel guests. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. What an interesting project to work on. I know, and also it's literally everywhere you, everywhere you go, it's like the most amazing scene. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, we were on the equivalent to the Irish Orient Express recently. Gala yeah. and I went for a weekend, which is quite funny because Gala said, look, it's really smart, so you must only wear black tie all weekend. <laughs> and uh, that's fine for the Orient Express in Venice, but it's not the case in the island one. So everyone else was wearing jeans and trainers, and I wore black tie all weekend. <laughs> breakfast, so like an idiot. Anyway, if I just wanted her to dress up for me for breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> I, I posted on Instagram at one point, though, Murder on the Grand Havernian, and Josie Rook, who is filming, who I've worked with, like I did a play, a play reading with Josie at the Hay Festival like 14 years ago before she went to the bush. And Josie texted me and was like, please, can I direct Murder on the Orient Express? On the Orient Express. And we're like, yes, okay, of course you can. <laughs> Quickly emailed. Um, so there's lots of, there are lots of stage sets yeah. that you can do brilliant stuff with. And also, um, we just shot the short film t- written by Tuppence uh, Middleton at the Savoy. Um, and the Savoy was nothing to do with it. We just shot it there for, because it was a great environment and we wanted that kind of classic but uh, heritage look. Sure. Um, but again, there's so many amazing backdrops you can work with on with film and television. God, that's going to be really exciting to see that. Um, Bella, could you tell me a little bit about how you got to this point that you're now producing theatre and film? Because your background is not traditionally this. I know. Yeah. I was. I was. I was on holiday with my brother, uh, my brothers, and my family because I'm still 12 years old. And like, basically, my brother's reading this book um, by Epstein called The Generalist. And I've always found it quite strange because my career trajectory has been quite um, different in that I have worked in advertising and I've worked in film and I've worked in fashion and I've worked in art and I've worked in design, but I've always been producing. Okay. So um, I've had my own company since 2003 and the first play reading I did was with Josie Rook um, wow. at the Hay Festival. The first short film I shot was with Romola Gary. Um, I also then shot a film with Zowie Ashton which Zowie directed and wrote so everything we were doing all the projects we were doing I got funded but it just wasn't in your normal way so it wasn't sort of um, at a theatre or by a film company Um, but my main thing has always been rising star talent and uh, female voices because they're across all the creative industries there's a there's a bit of work to be done Um, and that's really what has um, characterized all of them yeah. So whether it's working in the art world and supporting rising star talent or um, fashion designers who, um, although there's more of an equilibrium in the fashion world, um, who need that kind of funding and mentoring in order to be able to rise you know, above the parapet. That's what I've always done. But along the way, I've always punctuated with, with something, with a short film or with a theatre production, okay. like working with... Um, Morgan or um, I work with another writer on another play called Amy Bevan and on the short films I've done it's just that now I've decided in the last two years that um, the written word is the most appealing thing to me and actually having audiences come and see your work at the theatre or being able to tell those stories to a wider audience is where I want to focus my attention 
I mean, that's the... And, and Gala. I yeah. literally just want to focus on Gala. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was I thinking? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but you guys have got, like, this, this core vision, this core mission, which I think is just so appealing to a lot of people right now. It seems to have come at, like, just the right moment. Do, do you feel that as well? Or? Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time to be doing the work that we're doing. And, you know... I, uh, we have such good fun doing it mm. I you know I really going back to being an actress who's auditioning for pro- projects that you don't get win jobs you um, experience everyday rejection yeah it's really so exposing. it's really hard to yeah. build your self confidence it's literally the most difficult industry I've, I I've could I, never do it I can never do <laughs> it and which I'm was still very much doing um, alongside Platform Presents sure but I I find it so easy to talk about the work that we're doing with Platform and it's really given me my voice and in, in right. wanting to support people universally across all different... So do you feel like it's help, helped you with your acting as well? Very much so, yeah. yeah. But and also it's really important, sorry to interrupt, but it's very important for us to have that um, perspective because I think that's the really toughest point in the industry, edge of the industry. So to have an actress as a co-producer who really understands that and... Um, who we can then look at projects on that basis and understand the environment of, in which all these actors, writers and directors are trying to develop their work mm. is brilliant for us. Without that insight, I think we'd be a slightly different company. Yeah, I think, yeah. And that's, we have such a good time doing it and it gives so much back. Yeah. You know, we sort of endeavour every day to break through boundaries and get projects off the ground. And, and take behind the scenes films. Yeah, yeah and, and just once you get on that bandwagon and, and we love hearing from people and, you know, even the power of social media, which sometimes I hate <laughs> because it's, you know... It's well, a, it's so powerful, isn't it? it? You know, there's an amazing yeah. side to it, which is that you can access people all over the world and mm. that was um, proof in our Playwrights Prize of, of receiving submissions globally. Yeah. Um, but we love hearing from young writers, actors and directors, you know, endlessly invited to showcases that we always try and attend or sent short films or... And we don't want them to stop doing that. We do. We really do try and see everything we get sent, but there's so many... Um, who knew there were so many theatres in London for a start? Yeah. And across, you know, and across the UK. Um, so we do try and see as much as we get asked to go and see. I think it's really inspiring to hear your story in particular, Carla, because I think for a lot of young actors and actresses out there, they may be thinking that acting is the only thing that they can do. Mm. And actually, I don't, want, don't know whether to call it a trend or not, but there seems to be, the industry seems to be a lot more open to people saying, look, I can be an actress and a writer or yeah. a director and a producer. Have you found that in your kind of, career so far so I believe that everything you do um, shapes your acting career sure so it doesn't need to be within the world of acting I babysit I nanny I teach children's classes I tutor acting I do all kinds of different jobs um, that are constantly feeding my role as an actress and um, I remember you know turning up to my first ever audition for Guildhall at 18 and them saying to me do you think you've had enough life experience and I said well in reality no because I'm 18 years old but I sure as hell will work as hard as I need to and endeavour to gain as much experience you never stop learning as an actor no. mm. you know that's a joy of, 
of the profession is that whatever you're doing, whether it's a play reading or a short film or a, a TV show over six months where you're maybe only called to set 15 times, you meet such brilliant people in all different departments and you're constantly learning more about your craft but also about yourself. Yeah. And I think the change with Gala who graduated when she was 21 and Gala now is, is obviously so different and yeah. I, I was always very determined to contact actors that inspired me. So I went to go and see people, places, and things oh, five times mm. with Denise Goffin. So yeah, and it's I so one of the I, best things I've ever seen. It was yeah. extraordinary, yeah. and I I saw it five times in all different settings. So I once went on my own, another time I went with some family members, and I sort of just kept going back because I was so impressed by Denise's performance and how she could consistently show such powerful vulnerability on stage it was almost like something passed through her from high above like through her body out into that space like she was a, a complete vessel for yeah. this story yeah. and so i wrote her a letter i wrote her message on facebook it's quite a good story so i <laughs> i was sort of so obsessed with her and i wrote this message that said um hi denise it's gala <laughs> you've got no idea who i am <laughs> Uh, but I was wondering if you'd like to be my mentor and I said it wouldn't take much maybe we could be in touch two or three times a year it could be in person or on the phone for 20 minutes Brilliant. but I would just love to have a woman in the industry who could maybe check in with me she never replied <laughs> so I um, then thought god what do I do the show's finished so I can't even handwrite it and drop it through the stage door and then I realised that on Facebook, when you're not friends with somebody, it goes into a completely different inbox. Cut to like five months ago, and I was with a friend at the time walking down the street, and she walked past me. <laughs> and it was almost like I'd seen Ryan Gosling. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and my friend said, "That's Denise." I said, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> and they went, "You've got to go and talk to her." I went, no, 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 I really can't. Like, shut up. I can't. That's so embarrassing. And she suddenly caught my eye. And she went, Garla, is that you? I got your message on Facebook. I'd love to be your mentor. And she'd be appalled um, by my Irish accent. <laughs> so um, she, you know, and she just said she'd been so busy. And she then was off to New York and she emailed me. And then I, four days before performing on stage with Blueberry Toast, someone knocked on my dressing room door and delivered an Amazon box with this beautiful amethyst crystal, which Denise had sent wow to me um, in luck for the show and had said that she was so proud that I was standing on stage in a part that I had also produced and I was sort of doing the most vulnerable thing in my career and she was really in support of that and I just think if we can keep those conversations going between yeah. established actors and rising stars or, or anybody at any point in their career and al almost being very truthful about what goes on in this industry, then we can all find like a solidarity between us to keep going. Absolutely, yeah. because yeah. we've all got that. I mean, sh sh she's had that as well. I've, yeah, you know, exactly. I've spoken with Denise about it. What a wonderful person to have as your mentor. She's exceptional. And then it was she wonderful is. this year to have her yeah. on stage performing um, a poem that Bella and I had chosen for her. And it was her only uh, performance on stage she'd be doing this year. And it was behind our company. So. Yeah. 
I, I would urge young writers, actors and playwrights never be scared to contact the people that you want to. Yeah. Actually, that goes universally for us, doesn't it, as a company? Because we, when we started out two years ago, you know, we didn't have many of those contacts and we literally have been quite... Right from the beginning, it was like, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen, they don't respond or they say no and then how bad is that? Absolutely. So yeah. we have shown no fear in terms of approaching producers, writers, investors... Um, and just tried to take them on the journey yeah. um, and been, had resoundingly positive results. I think you have to is, be like that within this industry in yeah. particular because I think if you put yourself out there and you say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do this and I want to make it work, that is such a powerful message to, to hear or to read or to receive and to go, actually, yeah, I was in that position once as well. So yeah. And also it's, it's important and it's brilliant and it's not we're not trying to we're trying to do something wonderful and creative and impactful yeah so we believe so wholly in it ourselves that we actually we don't feel bad asking someone to be positive so that, that was going to be one of my questions actually is how you've managed to go from kind of naught to a hundred in like no time at all because it sounds like you guys have, have just done these <laughs> incredible things you know pretty much from day one and i think it's really for me from the outside from my perspective I see that potentially the reason for that is that your mission statement and your vision is just so powerful like why you're doing something is really that's why we do anything isn't it mm. that's why you get on board with a project is because the it's because of the why not the how not the what not the of you course know, it, it's why you why you bringing these people together and also, um, also in the beginning we were just we really put the time in you know we went round we saw lots of agents we talked to people we did lots of meetings so for instance one of our first meetings was at the agency remember with Katie mm. Haynes and we were then doing play readings to try and platform Rise and Sell Talent and she said look I've got this weird situation where I've got this Robert Schenken new play so Robert Schenken got a Tony for All the Way and he mm. did the screenplay for Hacksaw Ridge which is obviously Oscar nominated so we were like, hello. Um, so I've got this, and um, he would like to, you know, find some kind of outlet for it in London. Would you be interested in doing a play reading of that? And we were like, yes, um, even before we read it. Luckily, we read it, and he's a great writer, obviously. Um, and then we put on that play reading. We got Zowie Ashton and um, Jason Watkins to be in it. We found a young director um, to uh, Jesse Jones. Sorry, his father's called Dick Turpin. That's why I'm always really confused. But he's actually called Jesse Jones. Um, and we basically decided to put on that play reading we did at The Bush. I'm a trustee of The Bush, which is the most amazing theatre for young writing. Yeah. And what was interesting, those first, literally those first two months, is we were having phone calls directly with Robert Schenken. Wow. And, and he's an amazing guy. He's, and I, I would go, hey, Robert, what are you up to? And I, you know, I was like, whatever, scribbling on my pad. And he's like, well, I'm doing this TV show with uh, Robert Redford. And I'm, and I'm like... Yeah, me too. Uh, but what was so great is he didn't he wasn't didn't talk down to us. We talked about the characters. We engaged um, really early on, and it was quite an interesting process. You know, there was so many around that kind of talent. There's lots of uh, difficult people and interesting people, but challenging people. Yeah. So it was definitely quite a challenging um, experience. But Robert was amazing, and at the end of it, he said he said, "It's been brilliant to work with you. Would you like to produce that play in London?" And annoyingly, we'd just taken another play and we were a small band, so we couldn't um, do it. But then he came to London and he took us to the play, which went on at the, um, another theatre. And so that was a great first experience sure. for us. Um, 
and that's what we've always tried to do um and that but that is you know you've got to do put the time in see the agents and now luckily we're beginning to get agents from the US and the UK coming to us amazing and saying we've got this brilliant young actress or we've got this great writer or would you be and sending us scripts yeah but that's taken a bit of time hasn't it to mm. kind of you know it's like you know paddling very fast to yeah, try and of get course. things done well, you mentioned about um you know the process that you kind of went through in in terms of like putting yourself out there and asking people and if you had another bit of advice for like a an aspiring producer out there what what do you think it would be because i think you you know you've already mentioned about just just ask you never know the worst you can get is a i i i often describe producing as assembling a jenga tower <laughs> You know, people go, how the hell did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> and I go, honestly, it's putting mm. together these building blocks and somebody can take a piece of, out and, and the they whole, do. and they do, and the whole thing, can, you can feel, falls apart. Yeah. But I'm really lucky because Bella's um, had a huge amount of experiencing and producing, and I call her the solution master. Because <laughs> as soon as somebody says no, she goes, okay, great, what about this? Yeah. You know, once you reach a fork in the road, we can go here or we can go here. And it's, uh, my piece of advice to a young producer would be, don't give up. You know, if somebody says, I'm not gonna take your plate, okay, great, we'll send it out to another seven theaters. Yeah. Somebody else might take it. Your lead actress drops out, who have you got, you know, in the run up that you're also considering? Yeah. And always think of alternatives in the back of your head. Yeah. And just also, um, Bella and I take like great pleasure in showing up for people. Um, I think it, it goes a long way when a producer supports everybody in each department. Yeah. So we always go and see plays with people that we've worked with or we wish them luck if we can't be there. We will do everything that we can to be there and and celebrate them aside from anything that they've sure. been a part of with us. And that goes across to the fact of what I was saying earlier. So when we <clears throat> put Blueberry Toast on stage, I was in my dressing room getting ready and Bella showed up every night and would sit in my dressing room on her computer whilst I play crazy disco music but <laughs> which is awesome by the way. <laughs> I've never experienced a producer being in in a show every night like that support from my business partner and from a woman mm. whilst I was doing a play that was an hour and a half where by the end of it I had to murder my husband I had to go on such a crazy emotional roller coaster and to know that when I came off stage she was there and if something went wrong she would be there to pick it up yeah was something I've never seen before you know usually in the West End you open shows you do seven previews of press night your director gives you notes and then often they leave and you don't see them again or if you're lucky when I went with Benedict Andrews you know he went off to do another project and then he flew back to London to check in and then follow up it's my key thing to a young producer is support. Yeah. But also every night after that play, we were out there in the, you know, foyer or whatever, who'd come, you know, thanking them, getting their business cards, what's the next project, you know, that kind of just being there to in terms of trying to develop, to 
capitalize on that project and then move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important. It sounds like, is that how you work? Then you kind of work on one thing like 100% and then move on to the next one. Yeah, we've always got like, I mean, we've got like eight things going on at the okay. moment. And one will happen tomorrow, I hope. Yeah. And one will happen in 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And then another five will come in. That's that's the kind of, and also, so you're def- you've got lots of different conversations going on. But when you do have a project, you do have to give it 100%. Yeah, and you're invested in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's wonderful to come out afterwards and meet the directors who come or the actors that you want to work with who come or, or who, the investors who you know put their hard-earned okay, sure, money yeah. into it so that's a great opportunity and if you're starting a you know if you're starting a theater company or you're starting a bit business do it with somebody that, somebody that you really get on with like yeah. do it with somebody that oh, has yeah. a sense of humor like Bella and yeah. I spend more time together than probably the people we're in like relationships with <laughs> and we just have an amazing time together and we laugh and it's so important you've yeah. got yeah. to like i you know there it is a wonderful side to our industry but there's another incredibly serious side where everyone, yeah, yeah. you know quite understandably gets into roles or they get quite sort of methody and, and you've just got to be able to take the rest out of each other. that's what you bring from not being in the industry. I don't know better. Yeah, I think the... Like one a of fresh the, perspective. Well, you've seen how lots of creative industries have worked, but also you you don't have... I haven't been in an industry for a long time where I felt like this is the way it's done. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that Gala and I often like, so which is given, you know, when I first... My first ever day at... Um, I started at MNC Such, my first ever day, I asked a question... God forbid. <laughs> and this woman said to me, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. And I will never forget that. But yeah. one of the things that actually um, comes out of that is that you actually, oh, what did I start saying? Sorry, I completely forgot. <laughs> Where did, what was the question again? Um, it was your fresh perspective from... Yeah, so you, yeah. So, you, so you know how you... So when we go, we go and do projects, we don't understand why it can't be done that way. Yeah. We don't understand why we can't use that for the budget. I don't understand why the casting has to be done that way. Like, we cast our short film and why can't you do this and why can't you do that so there's not a kind of slightly weary it's always been done this way which yeah. which is not to say that what they're doing isn't wonderful it just gives us a slightly no, different perspective our industry is a little bit guilty of that you know it needs a little bit of disruption in that respect and I think Although it's I, really important yeah. to kind of just go actually we don't have to do it that way yeah. and we certainly felt that with Curtain Call as well we were like we want to come backstage and photograph your production from backstage they're like no people don't do that exactly and we're like well just give it a go because yeah. it's an amazing perspective and we won't get in the way and then we're like actually this is amazing and actually Kate Pakenham is one of the first people that really championed our work because she could see something really genuine and, and different in what we were doing so I think and, it's so important and that perspective is really important yeah I mean behind the scenes is something we both share a love of actually because we love the behind the scenes stuff you know the making of um, what makes these great talents tick, how they do it, from yeah. the DOP to the actress to the grip or whatever. It's That's the untold it. story, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. also just seeing the craft of what they do because quite often, or, you know, and it's wonderful, but let's say you see a shot of a person or a person on stage, there are millions of people behind yes. the scenes making it fantastic. So um, we should definitely champion them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important that you are doing that and that you, you're thinking of the whole rather than just the, the end result. We were, we were at a theatre the other day and um, the head of lighting was a woman. And I, do you remember we went on the mm. stage? And I was like, 
a woman, fantastic. She says, literally, I was the only person who grew up doing the ranks. So I said, are you freelance? So are you attached to the theatre? <laughs> she was like, I'm attached to the theatre, but here's my card. <laughs> but it was really good. And she was really pleased that it was two producer, female producers coming in to do a show there. So yeah. it was really good. So you've spoken about having various different projects on the go at one time. I've always been interested, what's your kind of favourite point in the lifeline of a production? Is it when you get the script? Is it opening night? Is it somewhere in between? Like, is it... I love the rehearsal room. Okay. So that's probably from my background of being fortunate enough to train at drama school. It's kind of a wonderful safe space where you can just try the most radical things and you can fail. Yeah. And I think that's really important for everybody involved. So like a, a um, lighting technician might say, okay, you know what, I'm going to put a neon pink wash over the scene. And you think, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just, we'll just try it. And then it, and it's genius. And, you know, I, I used to do th- things in the rehearsal room where I think, God, I'm making such an idiot out of myself. Or a director would encourage me to do that or try a new accent or do the whole thing dancing or or the fight coach or the yeah Yeah, whatever it is that's a wonderful uh, time for me where everybody is sort of in it together and there's a sort of solidarity to make something brilliant but also be incredibly daring to fail which is very important in this industry dare to fail yeah absolutely oh my god we're failing all the time Mm. every day we fail which is why we just pick ourselves up again i so mine is just a series of mini highs because one of the biggest highs for me is finding a script. Yeah. And you know, you literally know when you're reading it, you're like, <gasps> and then like, like calling Gala. And then, you know, you might not get that script. So then you're like, oh, whatever. I never looked at it. And then you, then you get the script, you have a great talk with the agent. And so all of that is like, compounds like a series of highs to the last night of the play and, you know, and the afterlife it might have. Um, I think that's why I love being a producer because every part of it has... Um, such huge joy for me um and also challenges but that's why it makes it brilliant um there's no one part i mean i love being in the rehearsal room i sit there on my computer so i move my office to the rehearsal room and then i see you know and i quite like these seeing the giggles backstage or the seriousness or you know the the challenges that come up or the tension i quite like seeing the tension because i'm like how can i sort that out (laughs) um but yeah the whole process for me is brilliant which is why you know i'm trying to develop um, more and more behind the scenes sure. um, things because I think um, also people saying that it's not all perfect because it just isn't it's um, often difficult and challenging is also quite important mm. perhaps that's why also you're trying to extend it beyond the life of the theatre production as well and exactly. you're take it onto screen as well because you just keep on having those series of highs exactly and also if it's a brilliant story yeah. um, brilliantly told with a great message then it shouldn't it should have a longer life definitely yeah um you mentioned earlier on about the music that you used to play in your dressing room yes and i wanted to ask I'm gonna, i think i'm gonna ask everybody this like okay, what is your what is your kind of go-to music first of all in the dressing room and second of all for warm-up so it depends with the, um the part that i'm playing um i tutor a kid at the moment and he was saying what's the best way to get into a character and it's very different for for each actor, just as it is learning your lines. Mm. So I learn my lines walking everywhere I go. I believe that movement really helps you absorb words. Some friends of mine do it through coding. Anyway, 
through coding. Yeah, where you write down the first letter of every word, almost like a secret okay. code on a piece of paper, and then your mind has to guess the lines. And so this young actor came to me and said, how do, how do I approach get into the skin of this role? And I said, well, first of all, go, go on the tube and look at young children, because young children are the purest form of emotion and reaction. They're so curious. So if you give a child a lollipop, the immediacy in the way in which their face lights up is yeah. genius. And when you take it away from them, they will go straight on the Richter scale to the other <laughs> yeah. end of an emotional sort of expression. And I said, and similarly with that, because that, the, a child can also, you know, sometimes when you look at young children, they look like eight-year-old grandpas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you can, I often Old study, souls. yeah, I study children because they, they're, they're not yet peppered with characteristics. Sure. And so when you're looking at a character, if you go back to the purest form, then you can add on movement and voice and accent. And along with that, I look at music. So I often, you know, if you look at a play and you think this play was going to be an album, what songs would be in it? Yeah. But for Blueberry Toast, I had to go on such an emotional roller coaster with Barb. Um, she begins to play... Uh, in a in a very almost happy American domestic bliss state of mind, and so I would play a lot of disco. Similarly, when I played Arena and Three Sisters, it's her birthday, so I was, was sort of playing Whitney Houston really loudly, yeah, to which the boys in the next door room through a very thin wall would tell me to sh turn it off straight away. But that would get me going. And then after, in Blueberry Toast, going back to that, after murdering my husband, I would often come off stage from performing an hour and a half, washed, covered, in blood. covered in blood. So I would have a shower dripping in, in sort of scrubbing off the blood. And I would then play like an almost wind down that I would then do some breath exercises with to and kind of calm me down from, yeah. from where I'd been. Because it's, it's such a funny thing, you know, I, I yeah catharsis um, which I think you need to pay respect to but you know well, I, I'm not anything special I'm just standing on stage being a storyteller so you know if I can just give it my all and then I can find a way of like packing that up and then yeah. I, I think it's really important also to like go upstairs and, and be a part of, of what goes on after a play and meet people and hear their opinions on things I'm not sort of somebody that runs away and but I did, um, I did find myself incredibly hyped up with adrenaline. So I used to go and um, shoot guns in the arcade on Wardour Street. Oh, brilliant. Till 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. Night. Uh, most nights, which was really he had, fun. He really had to go on such a journey in terms of crying, you know, the crying and the emotion. So y you need to get into a space like that very quickly. So music would really help. Music I mean, I was so psyched when I went on, because I saw the play every night. I was literally like there with her and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, that project was um, that project was a play that um, I was standing on stage being a storyteller as an actress, but had also produced. And I think going back to your point that you earlier said, which was that we're in a time where we're celebrating women and rising star talent. I find it incredibly exciting. Like this week is the, you know, London Film Festival and Yesterday I saw a film called Real that was written by a friend of mine, Aki, who has written it, directed and starred in it. Wow. Tomorrow night I'm going to see Billy Piper's film Rare Beast, which is the same. I think we are in a brilliant time where you can do 
all different things. Yeah, it's hugely exciting. And so yeah. it is petrifying, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you that. Yeah. Standing on stage in front of reviewers being like, I've produced this with my partner and I'm also, I put myself in it. Yeah. Was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. But I really believe that if you pick up a script that you're fearful of, that's the part you're meant to play. Mm. As soon as I receive an audition from my agent and I'm like, I have no idea how I would do this and I, I probably am not right for this. I know that's a part I should get. What a great takeaway. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> Bella, how about you? Music wise, what's your kind of go to when you've had when you're gearing up for a production or the first night? Because I know I, I think I saw something read about um Jamie Lloyd's productions, they was a play the Ramones before first night. I don't know what, what your tune would be or so um we want to put together a playlist basically we so want to put together, want to well, get together it would have i mean for for me as a producer you know first of all Gala's much more knowledgeable on music than i am but secondly as a producer you you have to be aware of what the actor wants so i never never would go into a room and put my own music on because i'm not getting into the character so having said that like we were all dancing around the dressing room and we also had um addy batola who was the first ever matilda so she was belting it out when wow. we had the Whitney Houston Beyonce. and the Flor- Beyonce, yeah. Florence Welsh. I mean, there were largely quite a few really empowered female singers that we were listening to. But um, my job in that environment is not to play my playlist. My job <laughs> in that environment is to go in and enjoy the playlist. And also, girl, yeah, she's so much better at that than me that I like pretend that my tunes are her tunes. <laughs> her tunes are my tunes out there. Um, so, yeah, that's how that works. And then, you know, when we're, when we're doing things we put on Instagram we try and get friends to lend us tracks for small amounts of money so that we can put them on um, to support Rising Star musicians so we're meant to see a Rising Star musician tonight um, so I mean everything goes in hands in hands so for the short film we produced we tried to work with young fashion designers that we wanted to work with um, young artists young so it's just a community of collaborators so if anybody listening out there wants to get in touch with you how would they go about it uh, get in touch with me in terms of like oh, in terms of working with you um, guys but. info at platformpresents.com amazing thank you both so much for taking part thank you coming thank on. you for having really us really nice to meet you both so yeah thank really you really lovely to thank meet you too. thank you alright I absolutely loved meeting Bella and Gala and for everyone's first podcast I think we did alright also learned a lot from them and hopefully you will too so some very quick housekeeping. You can follow us on at No Pressure Podcast, at Curtain Call, and you can follow the girls on at Platform Presents. If this is your first listen and you like it, please rate and review on whichever service you're listening to this on. And if you didn't like it, well, thanks for listening and peace be with you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.